Ladies and gentlemen, episode number 13 of the Cameron Lazies. I am Shane Ryan. I'm here with Ariana Ely and hottie hottie Aaron K, the double A battery boy. That's how we wanted me to introduce him. Um, I a little bit weird, but I have, have absolutely no problem with it. No, you got it right. Thanks. No problem at all. How you guys doing? Happy holidays to you. Come on. Merry Christmas. Oh, you want me to say Merry Christmas? No, no, I want. Yeah, I want to say Merry Christmas too because I, you know, it's good. Um, I, I'm against this Happy Holidays thing. Okay. Um, you have to you have to actually go and figure out which holiday the person celebrates just by looking wish at them. them that just holiday. just by looking at them, <laughs> and then you gotta size them up, and you say it's a holiday size up. Happy Hanukkah. <laughs> That, With yeah. the question yeah. mark intonation <laughs> at the end. <laughs> I like the idea, because, all right, I get a lot of Merry Christmases out and about in the world. and the ha- I, Okay, first of all, before we go into that, for first-time listeners, I do want to point out that Aaron is Jewish. So, oh, yes, yes. So he's allowed to say this. He's not just some Christian guy being like, yeah, this yeah, you're is just, not like Bill O'Reilly over here. No, no, no. Um, yeah, I get a lot of Merry Christmases out in the wild, and some of them feel aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do like the idea that instead of making a political point, these people at Walmart or whatever are actually sizing me up and saying mm-hmm. that. He's a but Christmas that for other people, yeah, right. like for you, they're like, happy Hanukkah. Ariana comes in, they're throwing a Kwanzaa yep. or two at you. Yep. I do like that. Get the half Christmas, half Kwanzaa. Matches my identity. <laughs> happy Christmas and Kwanzaa. <laughs> happy, but, uh, happy half Kwanzaa. <laughs> and no Christmas. I'm yeah. sorry. You're not either all Christmas. <laughs> doesn't count if you're not 100%. Right. Okay. So, well, I do. I do want to wish all the listeners out there who are celebrating Hanukkah. uh, This podcast will come out on the uh, first night of Hanukkah. Is that tonight? That's tonight. Uh, It's Sunday Sunday night. night. Uh, So, uh, go ahead and light your one candle, um, and have uh, have a great holiday. So, Aaron, this is a Duke basketball podcast. Yes. However, yes. However. On, in the text, you said you had a Hanukkah hot take, and now that we're on the topic, yeah. I feel like if there's yeah. time for it, it's now. it's now. Oh sure, yeah. I mean I've been I've been spewing this this hot take um, for years. Uh, Spew that hot lava, baby. Mm-hmm. Well, so all it's, over uh, our it's listeners. The, the holiday of light, um, uh, burning oil, mm-hmm. all that. So uh, so prepare to be to be scalded, scald, scal- <laughs> right? Scal- scalded with oil. <laughs> Uh, no, I um, ha- Hanukkah is my least favorite of the Jewish holidays. Mm. Um, I, I am a somewhat observant uh, Jew, and uh, I, I've never liked... Th- I don't know. I've heard your basketball takes. I wouldn't call you observant. <laughs> am I right, Ariana? <laughs> Boom. What do my basketball takes have to do with this? We're I was just, just talking about a, your a ability to... Yeah. Oh. You oh, get it. Yeah. Uh, Not so very observant little, at all. Well, exactly. <laughs> Uh, no, I uh, I think that uh, you know it's good to celebrate a, a holiday of light in the middle of the darkness time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but frankly, if you if you look into the history of the holiday, uh, the Hashmoneans, the Maccabees, uh, were religious fundamentalists who were mostly really interested in restoring a, um, a hereditary monarchy. Okay, and against the secularized uh, uh, Jews in Palestine at the time. Uh, we're going to fast forward through all this, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Okay, great. Go great. on, go on yeah, at length. Yeah. Because Thank we'll... you. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, I've always kind of found it found it a little bit weird that this is like our big secular holiday when it really is kind of our most fundamentalist holiday mm. uh, in a lot of ways. Um, Do you think that followed Christmas? Like we're like, oh, it's at the, around the same time, so we're going to Christmas it up a little bit? I mean, Christmas has, it its own, for everyone. has its own you know, winter holiday origins. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. 
uh, I'd be fine with just worshiping a tree in the house and, and kind of calling it even. Uh, yeah, that's fair. what we do. That's Christmas. Same. Yeah, it's tree worship. Mm-hmm. Um, Peyton in that way. I have a good Maccabee story. You guys oh. want to hear it? Yeah. yeah. Um, there was a girl I played softball with, recreational softball, mm-hmm. and we were in Durham, and she was saying that um, she has a, a favorite bar that she wanted to go to. We're like, oh, which one? And she said, Bull Maccabees. Yes. Quality. She did. And we were like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> and she said it like three or four times before we're finally like, oh, you mean Bull McCabe's? Oh, no. The famous downtown bar. And she was doubled down, was like, no, no, it's not called that. It's Bull Maccabees. Well, that's what I'm calling it from, from now, now on. Uh, yeah, that is now its name. <laughs> All right. So. Um, <laughs> Basketball podcast. Woo! That's our new there sponsor, Bill Maccabees. Who do we have? Who do we have last time? Well, we've already lost all of our listeners, so it doesn't uh, really matter. <laughs> last time it was the cat toy. Yeah. Um, oh, pop, right. pop and play. Pop and play. I've yep. been googling that. That a we lot. sexualized immediately. Yeah, yes, we did. Yeah. Well, right. it's mostly you doing that. Well, hey, you know what? I have I have one trick, and I yeah. feel like I need to use it. <laughs> Gotta get a laugh somehow. Yeah. So, folks, the Duke University men's basketball team played the Wofford Terriers, and like the TV show Terriers which um, you hear about from your friends as being good, but when you watch it it's yourself, terrible. it, it kind of sucks. It's yeah. kind of mediocre. Is this really a show? Um, yeah, Terriers is a detective show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, we heard Wofford was going to be good. They're running out of names for shows, man. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's a show about detectives, um, but Wofford is a show uh, about a crappy basketball team. No, Duke looked really oh, good, no. I thought. We did. Um, Duke looked awesome, and of course, Wofford had just come off a win, a win against... Carolina, which mm-hmm. raises the question, Ariana, that you asked, which is how bad is UNC? And like, I'm not joking. So like anybody who knows me knows that when it comes to college basketball, like I'm just a fan of good basketball. And like, yes, Duke and North Carolina have a rivalry, but I never like get so engaged in it that I'm like cr- shitting all over UNC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I asked that question in earnest, like literally standing in Cameron while this game was like going down. I texted Shane and I was like, how bad is UNC? And I honestly, I mean, they lost to UCLA too, right? Uh, no, no. The other day won. or they won? Okay, They actually cool. beat UCLA, yeah. So I don't know. They're confusing to me. I mean, this is a Duke basketball podcast, so we can talk about Duke first, but it is a question on my mind because I'm, I'm not sure. And I'm, I'm going to bring them up later because I think Cole Anthony should pull a James Wiseman and just say, Bounce. fuck you, I'm yeah. going to the draft. Um, but yeah, I, I used to um, hate UNC uh, until I learned that they gave millions to buy Confederate silence. And now I'm like, oh, Pour good it. people, yeah. good folks. Quality um, university system right there. <laughs> All I, right. I have no comment. Yeah. <laughs> you might actually have to yeah. delete that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. So Duke beat Wofford. And I think what we're going to do is um, this was a couple days ago now, but I do want to go and uh, get our players of the game, yeah. our respective players of the game. I was just generally incredibly happy uh, with this game. I think there's so much good stuff to say. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about all the guys. But Ariana, do you want to start and say who is your... You, yes. you, had, you had a great say. I don't know. I'm curious to see if you're going to yeah. stand behind what you yeah. said in the text. So, but let's hear it. So, yeah. Um, insofar as players of the game go, there are a lot of choices that we can make because I think I, too, was very impressed by how our guys came out, especially knowing that Trey wasn't going to be running our point. And I think all of us were a little bit worried about how that was going to go. Also, you can tell that I've had coffee today because I'm speaking at like a million miles a minute. <laughs> Apologies, <laughs> everybody. Um, but my player of the game is Justin Robinson. Yes. Because I think he's underappreciated. But the boy came in, he played five minutes, and in that five minutes, he had three blocks. And it was just like, Wofford, 
again, you're not doing anything. And he just like shut things down. And one I of the blocks was awesome too. It was, it was an emphatic like yeah, trailer block. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And like Jack and Jav like coming off the bench. Cause I think there was a timeout right after that block occurred and they both had the uh, Dikembe Mutombo like finger waggle going. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, this is amazing. Um, but I think one, like Justin doesn't get a ton of playing time. Um, but one of the things that he is able to do when he's in is like really use his length to make really good defensive plays. Like he's one of our most energetic, like inbound defenders. And like, he takes up a ton of space with his wingspan. He's vocal and loud and like very intense right in that, um, other team's face. And it does make them have difficulties like getting the ball inbounds. And he also uses that length you know, in the lane on defense, which is how he got those blocks so fast. So just a, a kudos to Justin Robinson for like really that. making the most out of the five minutes that he played. I love it. I thought you were going to kind of go ironic on it, but you no, went all I'm in serious. on J-Rob. That was a sincere J-Rob <laughs> POTG take. You're uh, welcome. Awesome. Aaron, you want to uh, you want to pick up? Who's your guy? Oh, yeah. Uh, player of the game, Trey Jones. <laughs> Trey! <clears throat> Enjoying that bench. So we got one first of all, one player who only played in garbage time, and then our second choice is someone who didn't play at all. That's he right. He was in street clothes. He was in street clothes. Uh, he had a minor foot injury. Um, uh, foot sprain, I think, was was what was uh, announced. Um, and just to be clear, when they say a minor foot injury, they're talking about an injury that is we talked about the yeah. subject yes. that is itself minor, and they're not referring not the to the foot. quote unquote minor foot, oh. which would be the left foot. Oh, well, I thought if it, you were right footed, if you were right footed, that's right. I was actually making the argument that a minor foot injury is a foot injury that happens to someone under the age of majority. Mm. Sure. So sure. I, also think under that's, I think that's also not right. Oh, I, I think minor is an adjective <laughs> to describe <laughs> qualifying the, grade the injury. Of injury. So uh, anyway, just for our folks listening. Yes, okay. To um, clarify. No, but but if he had a minor foot injury and he's over the age of 18, it's it's impossible. Maybe um, his feet are younger than the rest of them. Oh. Could be statutory injured, self-injury. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's purely logic. Uh, so here's why Trey Jones is the is the actual unironic player of the game. Okay. He did uh, have some court time because he like he did go out the there. Yeah. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, this all fits into the narrative um, uh, about what. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> I think Ariana just laughed so hard that she might have yep. vomited slightly. <laughs> yeah. I just spit my drink all over myself. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, so it's my house. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I caught most of it in my hand. It didn't hit the floor. Well, as long as it didn't hit my drink, uh, yeah, it's no, fine. You're yeah, you're good. You're Great. good. We're all fine. Right. I, don't, I don't like germs. Um, okay. So Trey Jones got to watch another point guard mm-hmm. play a game in which that point guard scored eight points, right? Uh uh, distributed the ball really well, scored when he needed to, um, and uh, he also gave the rest of the players out there playing the confidence to know that they could play and win a game without him. So on both of those fronts, uh, first from the front that that he uh, got experience uh, watching watching what he will soon be doing after you know mid January. Uh, which is doing more more distribution of the ball and less shooting. Um, uh, he also gave the rest of the guys confidence, and uh, for that reason, he is my player of the game. You know what? That's pretty logical. That is. Yeah, and I like that. I have to say, I like it, Aaron. I was ready to get more abusive on I you, know. which it's been in a sort of abusive couple podcasts. That's but, okay. But no, that was a great take. Thank um, you. 
I'm going to stop saying the word take, I think. Fair. You well, have, it's you don't really like the word take. Do you know where it comes from? No. I believe it comes from Jacques Lacan. Is that right? Yes. Um, and that, you know, one one has thoughts, right? Or I guess in the, the pre, pre-modern pre era mm-hmm. or uh, you know, modern era. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the thoughts or ideas that we have are just replaced with takes. Uh, okay. So they're not like fully formed ideas. Right, right. Um, I, I have to look it. I'll look it up while while you while you're talking, Shane, because I never listen anyway. Sure. Uh, and I'll make sure that uh, that whatever I find uh, confirms that what I said was correct. Shaka Khan, Legit. good stuff. Um, all right, my player of the game yeah. is Jordy Goldwire. Uh, I'm going to start calling him Jordy because I like yeah. that Canadian hockey players are called that when they're named Jordan. Um, has nothing to do with uh, college basketball, but Jordan Goldwire I thought was awesome. Um, he Came in, and his job was to take over Trey's role. Mm-hmm. Clearly, he was not going to be scoring quite as much as Trey. The onus was going to be on him to distribute, mm-hmm. and more importantly, to shut down Mr. Storm Murphy, yeah. who is the the Wofford star shooter. Now, Wofford, some of you may remember last year, they were um, a pretty big NCAA darling. They had a couple wins. They had Fletcher McGee, who set yep. the all-time record for threes um, in NCAA Division One history. Uh, and Storm Murphy and um, another fellow named, uh, is it Nathan Hoover? Anyway, his last name's Hoover. Those two guys are their big shooters. Um, and Storm Murphy uh, basically couldn't get a three-pointer yep. uh, because of Jordan Goldwire. And, yeah, he was fantastic on defense. I had kind of said, like, before, I was like, you know, Goldwire is an incredible press defender, but I don't know how good he is as an on-ball defender in a half-court set. And he totally proved me wrong. He was awesome. Um, he just... There was one point at which he nearly stole the ball. It, this was in the second half early from Storm Murphy. Murphy barely recovered. He rushed in and he mm-hmm. took a three and he missed it because he was like all out of kilter. And the announcer said that is the first three-pointer that he's attempted today. And that was like, holy cow. Yeah. Like, that really put in context how well he did in the first half and just how thoroughly he shut him down. But also, I mean, he was making great passes. He was setting up Joey Baker in that second mm-hmm. half. And he had a few great like scores himself, including an and one after yeah. a steal. Um, between him and Jav, again, they both looked really good on offense in ways that were stunning, uh, that were really puzzling. But I thought Jordan Goldwire, it was his most like comprehensive game he's ever played as a Dukey. Um, it was the most important one he's ever played because he didn't have Trey. And so he had to be good, basically. Otherwise, we could have been stuck in a close like Stephen F. Austin-type game. He did everything we asked and more, and I just was like so thrilled watching him. It was really a blast, actually, watching him. So, yeah, Jordan gets my um, player of the game. Um, happy to note he played, actually, compared to Aaron's, and more than five <laughs> minutes compared to Ariana's. But, no, uh, so, yeah, I loved him, and uh, I'll tell you who else I loved is Joey Baker. Yes. <clears throat> Go ahead. Two, no, six, no, 12, Baker's dozen. I told you that I'm crazy for these cupcakes, cousin. <laughs> Hold on, is there a rapper in the room? <laughs> or was that you doing that? That was me. Um, it ends with snack attack, motherfucker. <laughs> is that the new slogan that's, for the podcast? That's uh, uh, from the, the early, to whatever, late 2000s uh, uh, song, Lazy Sunday, by the, yeah, the uh, Lonely Island Boys. White yeah. comedians. Yeah, the yeah. Lonely Island fellas. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, that is a good ref and one that needs to be trotted out. Yes. I'll turn it over to you guys in a second, but I just want to say um, total playing time, Joey Baker had 18 minutes and Alex O'Connell had 24. And my 
main thing I want to say is that if you have a guy in Joey Baker who can score nine points in the period of 90 seconds, I don't care if he shits yep. in his hand and flings at his own teammates <laughs> on the defensive end. Put him in. He's more valuable yeah. than Alex O'Connell. Why is this guy still getting playing time? The only thing I can think and hope is that this was sort of like, uh, we're going to give you one last mm-hmm. chance, AOC, and we're going to see what you can do. And, uh, you know, he was a stud with 90 seconds left and a 30-point blowout, but the rest of the time he was useless. So, anyway, Baker, I thought Baker was awesome. Yeah, I agree. Um, Like, Joey Baker had a spectacular game and, like, really provided a really good, like, spark for our team. And, like, the shots he was getting were phenomenal. And his teammates were helping create really good space for him to, like, get those shots off. Um, And it was funny because in the second half there was, like, a moment where he came down, hit a three – then they got the ball back and Matt Hurt went to take a three and he missed it. And then they came back. Joey got the ball in the same corner spot and hit a three. And it was yeah. almost like one of those anything you can do, I can do better moments between the two of them, but in like a jovial <laughs> way. Um, and so it was just, yeah, it was phenomenal to see like Joey just like brought the house down and it was fantastic. Um, and in regards to Alex O'Connell, I have gripes. Um, I have many gripes, but I will focus on. Uh, one in particular, which is his lackadaisicalness on defense. Yeah. Like the yeah. kid cannot be bothered to actually put in like hard effort on defense. It's incredible. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And like, there was a moment where, um, uh, it was one of the, like one of the few threes that Wofford got in the like second half where like Alex could have blocked it. He was in position to block it. And he literally had his hand halfway up and then just pulled it down and like ran the other direction. Yeah. And like, it's like those sorts of things. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing and why are you doing it? Like, why aren't you like showing up and being like very intense on defense? Like, I feel like if that had been Justin Robinson, that would have been blocked back into the kid's face. Like, but instead he just like totally decided not to. And it puzzled me that he started this game. Yeah. Oh, completely. So I'm going to read you. Uh, Our we starting have a- lineup was weird. It was real weird. I, I don't think you can read too much into it no, in this game. I, I think, I think a... yeah, nor nor the next game against Bucknell or whoever it is. I think once we hit Boston College, then we'll start to see. Yeah, um, true starting lineup. But we have a Google Doc that we all keep where we take notes during games, and I just want to read you my notes for AOC. It's just a stream of conscious, and then like it encompasses the full forty minutes. But it starts with all caps starting three three question marks. <laughs> uh, LOL, so far off his man on fast break. Just a fucking disaster on D. Almost beat on backdoor next possession. Holy fuck, AOC is so bad on D. Gets burned on D baseline. Gets beat backdoor. Guy misses layup. Side of backboard on three. Symbolic three in face at the end. Why is he getting PT? Question mark. Question mark. And then it ends with garbage time turnaround. J. <laughs> See, now th- those were your notes. My notes was. Excellent AOC assist off the side of the backboard. <laughs> Just that, the one? Optimism. Just the one? Optimism. No, he only hit the side of the backboard one time yeah. with his shot. Yeah. That is, oh, that, that's, that is the first time ever I'm going to be, you're going to be yeah. more positive yeah. in Duke basketball yeah. than me. Well, no, I had, while I was watching this game, I had the idea that we do an alternate podcast called Lamarin Casey's. <laughs> In which you're, we flip roles. yeah, right. We flip roles, and I'm the optimist, and, and you all are the pessimist. Yeah, I like it. And you just <clears throat> hurl abuse at us, for, yeah, exactly, <laughs> for an hour. Uh, yeah. So I mean, the AOC thing is just it, you nailed it, Ariana. I think that you can forgive someone being bad if they're putting high effort in. Mm-hmm. So but that's like just... game. That's like games like with Jav when he looks terrible. I mean, he's looked great lately, but th- those games we did is like. 
okay, but you know what? He's trying his best mm-hmm. at all times, and yep. he'll drive you crazy, but you don't He's like in it. you don't get angry at him. No. The way you do it at AOC, you're like, what are you even doing? Like, yeah. you, you just don't belong out there if you're not going to try. Right. And it's, I don't know. I think it's just so frustrating. Yeah. Um, and, like, I had a... I had a friend of mine who at the game we were talking about AOC and he was like, you know, I feel like AOC would be great on a mediocre European team. And I turned to him and I was like, Yeah. Great? Is great the accuracy yeah. that you're <laughs> no, no, it was, no. <laughs> He would he should go to Israel and play on John Shire's team that he played on and be like the seventh man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He could maybe do that. Uh. But, you know, another thing, he doesn't hit a big shot ever. Yeah. He just does not hit a big bucket. And, again, that's like Joey Baker. Jelly. You're like, oh, man. Like, I, yeah, I, I think – and Joey has already hit big buckets in mm-hmm. big games. And I know this Wofford thing was getting out of control in the second half. But somebody who can dial it up like that yeah. – like, look, Duke right now is shooting 35% from three. And if we had done that last year, we would be national champions. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just that simple. And so Joey Baker is a big reason for yep. it because he is shooting – 53% right now. And that's not low volume. I mean, like, we're right. getting to be a decent sample size already. Um, so between him and Cassius and Matt Hurt and, of course, Vernon with his two for three. Um, yeah, we're a good shooting team, and we need those guys out there. And Alex O'Connell is shooting 22%, right? I mean, Jack White is shooting – he's shooting worse than Jack White. Ooh. Well, so, okay. I, I have some numbers. Yeah. <clears throat> them uh, if you'd like them. Mm-hmm. Would like them. Uh, some O'Connell numbers. Let me, let me get there. Yeah. Uh, did you know – that Alex O'Connell is leading our team with the most three-point attempts per minute he is on the floor. Ugh. Wow. Okay, right? So he's, so he's, he's taking them. He's, he's taking them. <laughs> I'm scanning. I'm scanning. the. Okay, other than Javin, who is 0% uh, three-point shooter, mm-hmm. uh, he is the worst. Uh, well, I guess, and, and Robinson and Buckmeyer. Um, but they have not shot, I think, three-pointers. Um, oh no no they did they, I'm sorry they did they've shot three pointers um, uh, yeah he shoots .23 three pointers per, per minute, minute he's in. Uh, whereas Baker right who is hitting at a 53.3% clip mm-hmm. is .2 .20 right so uh, that is a problem my yes. friends yeah yeah, as, yeah as the, that's a great stat that's Aaron a, yeah, yeah as, as if the percentage wasn't bad enough he's also jacking them up at a ridiculous rate yeah uh, i don't know i mean in some ways you're like oh i like that he's being aggressive on offense but right. i don't know between that and the poor defense i really feel like coach k is probably if he wasn't already at the end of his rope i think his rope is like kind of mm-hmm. burned off at the ends after that one yeah um i want to throw uh, make a quick comment about how thoroughly duke eviscerated the one three one zone which i thought was awesome yes. uh during that game i mean it made it look completely mm-hmm. foolish um but I also want to note, uh, kind of related, Duke right now is the seventh best team in offensive rebounding percentage in, oh, the, wow. in the country. Huh. I didn't realize that. Yeah, this is from Bart Torvik, who I also I always like to uh, praise. Um, yeah, they're, so they're really good at that. And then another funny stat I saw is that they're 17th in defensive free throw percentage, meaning what other teams shoot. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, that's a stat? So other teams shoot 63% on the line, which is like the 17th worst. So good job, Duke, at whatever. Cool. Maybe How that maybe you, that's the Cameron factor. Right, it might be. It might be the Cameron lazies and yeah. the things that, or the Cameron crazies and the things that we do to like distract other teams while they're shooting free throws. But yeah, that made me laugh. I thought oh, that was good. Goodness. Um, all right, so I do want to talk about to uh, get your guys' opinions on Vernon Carey 
My big opinion is it's comical when other teams don't have a big man about yeah. how impossible it is to defend him. You can't do him. anything. You, yeah. you really can't do anything at all to stop him. He had, what, 20 points yeah, this game? Yeah, he had the quietest 20 points. Like, and it was just so <clears throat> effortless. easy. Every time he touched the ball, it's it in. It was yeah. instant. Yeah. Absolutely yep. instant. Um, yeah, he's not even interesting to talk about in this game. Right? Because... Like, <laughs> just, like, he just cruised through, like, totally simply. Um, he did have, if memory serves, he had a decent dunk this game. And Wendell Moore had a good dunk this game too, but yeah, on when he's pretty much uncontested in the lane, it's just like I feel bad for the other team because it's like he's just over them constantly, just again and again and again and again. And like even if it doesn't go in the first time, like he's the only one up there to like nab the rebound for yeah. the put back. So and it's like it's the combat. Yeah, it's like being tall would be hard enough for a team like that to guard. But to be outsized. To, yeah, but also like just his pure great, like the fact that he yeah. can put a move on you. So like not only is he like six inches taller than you, but he can just like deke you out of yep. your shoes. It's yep. like, oh wow, you're never gonna stop him. This was like every time we got in the ball. I mean, really, if this were a tougher game, I think he would have probably had like 50 points because he would have been touching the ball every mm-hmm. single time. But it just wasn't a game where you needed to do that, and so it was good that they didn't. But um. Yeah, I uh, I thought he was awesome. And Aaron, if you um, if you want a mission, oh. a statistical mission as the year oh. goes along, I think the I think the two most efficient years uh, among Duke big men have been Carlos Boozer's senior season and Jaws only season. Um, and I think that'd be a good comparison. Yeah, right now, like I looked at it two or three games ago, and Vernon Carey was right there with them. And it, but it's like the numbers were super super close. But I think he has a chance. And I'm only I'm only talking awesome. offensively. I think he has a chance to be our best offensive um, big man like ever I, I, this season. Like the way again, eight for eleven shooting against Wofford, he's just outrageously efficient. So well, but and and that's in the minutes that he's playing. So I, I have him in. Uh, I've started keeping a points per minute. I like uh, because that, I yeah. can't I can't do a I can't do possession right. per possession because I I don't I can't count that. Uh, but minutes are easy because we we know how many minutes the players play. Right. Uh, he is at 0.79, almost uh, 0.8 points per minute wow. that he plays. So if he is on the court, wild. right, he is almost scoring a point a, point a, minute. a minute. That's um, wild. The next closest uh, to him on our team is 0.53, and that's uh, no, that's Joey Baker. Joey Baker. Oh, Baker, sure. Yeah. Two, no, six, no, 12, Baker's dozen. Uh, so, no, the reason that my, uh, my, no, my nameless wife was actually singing this song during the game. Amazing. Uh, and then we watched it because it was a blowout. Um, uh, so the, all credit to, to the nameless wife. And the soup was really good, uh, good. from the last I'm glad. podcast. I'm glad. Um, I know everyone was really, I was, I was, yeah, everyone, I wanted well, everyone know. wanted an update mm-hmm. on the soup. I wanted to know. Oh, I did, yeah. I did, yeah. and that's what's in the bowls, we know. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right, so yeah, uh, the good news I'm looking at Bart Torvik now is Vernon Carey's usage rate is the highest on the team, just mm-hmm. ahead of actually even ahead of Trey Jones. Um, then it goes to Hurt, then it goes to Cassius. Um, what about Cassius? I I'm kind of dying to talk about Wendell Moore, but real, let's touch on Cassius quick. Sure. Um, just quiet, really. He, yeah, I was just gonna say I. Yeah. I'd... He played under 20 minutes. He only had four points. Is that right? Yeah, no, you're right. So yeah, exactly he did. Right. He had a very quiet game, and I don't know if that was – I don't know what that was a product of. I don't know if it, it was the the way the matchup was that the ball ended up in other people's hands and he really didn't have to do as much. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're still being a little bit cautious of working him back into things after his injury. Yeah. Um, but he was very, very quiet. 
Yeah, and it, you know, 18 minutes. I mean, I thought he was really. Time. I thought he was yeah. really good at defense from the times I watched him. But it does seem with 18 minutes that they're just let's not play him too. Let, I mean, let's make sure this is it's fine. It's the time of year. Yeah. We're gonna have another eight days off before our next game. I kind of got that sense too. Yeah. Um, well, this wasn't very close for very long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, you're right. Yeah, the first couple minutes, <clears> and then it was kind of blown wide open. Yeah. Yeah, well, no, yeah, Goldwire at 28 minutes was the most anybody played. So, yeah. I mean, and then after that, it was 24 for O'Connell. So, yeah, that, that shows priorities a little bit. Yeah. So, one would say that that's actually good usage for O'Connell, right? In to a game that doesn't be matter. Able to swap out for oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. a little bit more. Well, no. So, I mean, he, while he's, I would, I would hesitate to call him actually incompetent, um, but he, he is a space filler. Yeah. Right? right, he's he's running around on his legs instead of somebody else running around <laughs> on their legs. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it is true. Yeah, um, it reminds me of the soccer game we were watching where I was watching Liverpool against Flamengo in this like uh, Club World Cup championship, and I was g chatting with my friend Spike, um, and the first half was just absolutely just a brutal war of attrition. And I said, you know, you're going to have an injury in the second half, and it's going to be somebody you don't want. And he said, I hope it's Oxlade Chamberlain. Um, and then he was like, I feel really bad about that, but if anybody has to get hurt, I hope it's him. <laughs> and then in the second half, Oxley Chamberlain got hurt and is, he might be out for a long time now, but it was a thing of like, yeah, I guess you have to like choose yeah. who, <laughs> who means more. Yeah. Who means a little bit it's more. terrible. As someone who just uh, tore their ACL this year, I don't support injuries of any kind for yeah. any person, but, um, yeah. yeah. Okay. So let's talk Wendell more. Yeah. Um, I, my thing on him is I just think sometimes he looks really good. Same. And I just think like I'm waiting for it to click. I loved watching him run the point mm-hmm. at when Goldwire he did a wasn't. Really good job. Yeah, he can drive. His finishing, it seems like he should be a good finisher, but he's just not quite connecting. Yeah. Like he was two for eight, and there was some that he missed where you're kind of like you scratching your head a little bit. Um, I think he's a great defender. Mm-hmm. I think he's insanely athletic. I actually, I don't know why or if this is naive, but I still have a lot of hope for him. And I, I, I'm just not giving up on him at all. And what I see from him, I'm like, these are the, um, whatever, like the bones of a good player. Yeah. <laughs> and just something is like a little, a touch off. Just something's not clicking. But, you know, we saw, I, I didn't personally see it because I was flying. But the Virginia Tech game, he was really good. And I don't know. I feel good about Wendell Moore and I shouldn't. I don't know. Yeah, you shouldn't because he, he shot two of eight mm-hmm. from the field. But I also have that same feeling. Is that he? He looked pretty good. Um, yeah. Uh, he uh, had a couple really. So he he took up some of the responsibility for mm-hmm. for playing the point uh, in this game. He had some really good passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, he knew when to drive. Yep. Uh, and uh, and take it when it was when it was his time to do it. Uh, so you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I still I still feel the most optimistic about him as as the guy with the highest ceiling, I guess, that or at least from what we've seen so far. Um, I'm not sure how your ceiling gets any any higher on uh, <laughs> on on Carey, really or, oh, for sure. or yeah. on Stanley. Um, you know, I, we've seen Stanley do incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen their best. I mean right. we And I don't think we've yeah. seen that from Moore. No. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Um and I think the thing that I'll I'll add in regards to like whether or not we feel comfortable and like still having this much like faith and like seeing this much potential in more, I think is valid because one of the things that you can tell about Wendell Moore is that he is very active in learning from his teammates and from his coaches. And like, he's very absorbent, like a sponge in terms of like, if they point out something he is doing poorly or badly, like 
he like you can see the growth of him figuring out how to do it better and like how to be how to be better on the court um and so he's very responsive in that regard and so I feel like particularly from a coaching perspective you want to work with someone like that especially when you can tell that the feel for the game is there the athleticism is there the ability is there but you're just working on pulling all those pieces together yeah right and so like I can tell in the way that like the coaches talk to him the way his teammates talk to him like there were several times where he was running the point and coming down down the court where the communication chain between the coaches and him and then him and the rest of the team to kind of get their offense set up was like clicking really, really well. And it's like, he isn't at a point where like Trey, he can kind of come up the court and know what, like of the suite of plays they have, know what they're going with and like kind of get everybody to follow suit. He still needs that like help to like establish that like confidence in running the point, yep. but he's capable of learning and like picking those things up. And I think, in games where we have seen him struggle on, you know, defense, offense, or whatever, it's been a couple of games or even the next game where we'll then be like, he, this kid looks really good. And so I feel like in practice, he's getting a lot of learning from his coaches and then he's putting that into practice on the court. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's why having, like, seeing that potential there, um, I feel a little bit less uneasy about it because I can see his growth as a player even over the handful of games that we've played so far. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And uh, you, you touched on this. I think he's a phenomenal defensive player. Um, and he's got great instincts, too. It's not just yeah. that he's athletic and can shut people down. There was a two-on-one at one point in the second half where he – basically hedged off his guy. Mm -hmm. The pass was made. And then he kind of like deked at that guy. He turned it into an awkward layup attempt that yep. the guy ended up missing. And it's the kind of thing we see from Jack White a lot where you just have like a sixth sense about how to mess with people mm -hmm. a little bit. So it's that kind of cerebral quality I like about him. Then there's also just like little, it feels like every game there's like little bullshit things that happen to him. For example, first half, he did a great spin move to get to the hole. Mm -hmm. the, the defender was not even on position, flopped, and they called a charge. charge. Yeah. And you're like, that kind of thing is so annoying because A, it, he should be rewarded for making a good move like that. Mm -hmm. B, it's like a foul, so mm -hmm. it potentially can take him out of a game eventually. But yeah, there's things like that that you feel like can turn the tide or kind of chip away at his confidence. And you're like, it's just not a good call. Yeah. And there were, there were a few times we saw over the course of the game, not always with Moore, but just that the charge is the scourge of college basketball. Nobody knows how to call it. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced nobody, like if you ask like three refs to explain They're the rule to you. They're going to give you different answers. Different answers. And, and they wouldn't be able to apply any of those answers in an actual game if you yeah. looked at their tape. Nobody knows what it is. I, I saw one play on our side where um, for some reason Jack White was doing the Mason Plumley thing of pressuring his guy at half court for no good reason. He drove by him. And so it was just a guard against Wendell uh, Vernon Carey yeah. underneath. And Carey, like, he put his hands, like, he yep. did the, put his hands over his groin, the charge protection thing. He gets set, but it was, like, way too early. And the guy just went by him yep. and made an easy layup. And Carey just, like, could only stare at him. And all I could think was, if we weren't so focused all the time on taking charges, if it wasn't such a huge part of the college game, and if players didn't know that they could get away with cheapies over and over again, he would have just played good defense mm -hmm. on that guy. It wouldn't have been like this bullshit, let's try right. to take a charge thing. thing. Yeah, I mean, and I know it works out a lot of times and things like that, but I, I just find it frustrating, not only for how inconsistently it's called, but just for how it changes the way people play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's why NBA basketball is just stylistically better. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to get that little rant out there. NBA basketball is stylistically better because they never miss shots. Yeah, that's also true. true. <laughs> 
Yeah, the skill level is up there. And look, they have 80 games to like yeah. gel as a team and have great. Yeah. But that at the same great. time, there's like good defense there too. I don't know. I, I just think... I, think, yeah, I, I, I do think college basketball shoots itself in the head a little bit. Uh, not even in the foot. <laughs> right in the head. Uh, real quick, do we want to talk about the Team D? Um, we were uh, we came in kind of worried that Wofford was like their yeah. big yeah. shooters. And like, you know, Stephen F. Austin did well against the shooting. And we've, we've had trouble, uh, as Aaron pointed out, um, with teams that shoot high volume. They shot 10 for 24, which is 40%. Yeah, which is pretty good. It's fine, but it was totally ineffectual against <clears throat> us. And so I felt pretty good about things. They they did still attempt the most three-pointed uh three-pointers against us yeah. uh, of any team. But it was like half what they <clears throat> shot against UNC. Right, 24 total. Um so yeah, yeah, about 40 a little bit more than than 40% um uh makes, which is also pretty good. Mm-hmm. The the team that shot the best against us from 3 was Kansas uh with 44.4%. Mm. Uh, but no, it seemed like uh, they missed enough of them early that it let us get a, a big enough mm-hmm. lead that when they, they were kind of canning them at the end, it didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the UNC box score. At, yeah, terrific point that they actually shot worse against UNC percentage-wise. But they shot more. But they attempted 43s, yeah. and against us, they only attempted, what was it, 24? 24. 24, so it's uh, about half. And that, I think that just shows you that we took them out of their preferred mm-hmm. game. And especially you look at Storm Murphy's stats. Yep. He was 5 for 10 from 3. He had half against, as many points against us. As against, against UNC. He only got three three-point attempts. And I think two of them were in garbage time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the thing. It's like, okay, you take that guy out of his game. Yeah. 40% on 24 attempts absolutely will take it because they're not going to score any other way against yep. us. Yeah, I was noticing that, that Wofford was really going slow. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were down by a lot. Uh, so I, I couldn't tell if you know they had that hung plan. in they had hung in there uh, longer and, and I didn't watch the Carolina game uh, where where they uh, where they beat them uh, but I I didn't know if they they actually had the capacity to come back on us after we had gotten no. uh, that sizable lead um, or if it had you know stayed a close game then sure um, uh, mm-hmm. you know per possession right it, it would have been better but but anyway um, uh, either we were frustrating them. Uh, on the defensive end uh, and making them them take a lot of the shot clock uh, uh, or that was their style of play and I I couldn't tell no I I think real quick I just think there's like two phenomena at play there one is the leopard can't change its spots thing that UVA runs into sometimes in fact they just lost it yeah you get far behind you run your offense the way you do it's Mm -hmm. not like all of a sudden you can score in 10 seconds you can't flip that switch Another one is that this is a Southern Conference team playing an ACC team, and so there's just not they don't have like a one on one guy who can yeah. do it. They're they're almost forced to try to run this methodical offense. Right. Yeah, um, and I think one of the things that uh, you saw in the UNC game was like oftentimes like when they would kind of be pushed to play at UNC's pace, um, like they would run down the court, jack a three, either make it and like that was great or they would miss it and then you know we're trying to kind of compete in that way of kind of running back and forth so i do think they run a little bit of a slower offense and like need that time but i also think um they are used to having that time and being able to still find like an open three-point shot with like 
10 seconds left on the shot clock, but we weren't allowing them to do that this yeah. time. And mm-hmm. so it was like, you're down at five and like, you need to, you need to do something. And then because we had, you know, carry down low or Matt hurt down low or jab down low or whatever, they really didn't have, like they could go for that layup as an option, but it was going to be really contested and it probably wasn't going to go well for them. And so I think our perimeter defense did a really good job of just like taking, taking their slower offense and like, making it even slower and then they have to make these pressure decisions at the end of the shot clock to try and get something and there really just weren't options for them after that yeah no i think that's perfectly said um and speaking of team defense duke uh, by ken pomeroy has the third best adjusted defense in the country bart torvik has us as 11th best either way you look at it that's a really good Pretty defense good. yeah um so yeah we're, and you know what the thing is our offense is good too mm-hmm. uh 18th by mr torvik and 10th by Ken Palm. So I feel like we've yeah. also improved offensively as the season's gone on too. Oh, 100%, like percent. Yeah. Um, especially with adding Joey Baker as a three point threat now. Yep. All right. Anything we want to, uh, before we move on to the next segment, anything else we want to say about Wofford? So I do want to add a note about Matt Hurt. This was again, okay. another game that you got to see him kind of like playing a little bit more in the post and the kid looks so good down there. Yep. Truth. Um, Truth. And like, it just, it makes a real big difference when he has that flexibility to play in that comfort zone. Yeah, I, in fact, I wrote down yep. at the beginning of the game he was he was uh, back to the basket playing mm-hmm. really well, and I was like, yes, this is the hurt yeah. game. Uh, it kind of went away. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, he was pretty quiet after that, if if memory serves. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he looked good down there. He's so good at finishing with contact too. That's what mm-hmm. impresses me the most. Um, yeah, I wrote that, and the only other thing I wrote about him is that he seems like he's in the right place over and over and over yeah. again on offense. Yeah, um, his defense isn't isn't spectacular yet, and that's no. why he's well. And he missed his threes in this game. Yeah, he so. did. He did. Yeah, and that was the only thing that kept it from being like a twenty mm-hmm. point game from him. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he was uh, yeah six for nine overall. So yeah, he was a perfect six for six from inside the three point yeah. line, um, zero for three beyond. Yeah, great point. Um, all right, so I want to bring up Ariana. You have some Zion content. I do. Which always sells papers. Right? So. Uh, Yeah. So I was at dinner with a friend, a handful of friends, um, because one of our friends is getting ready to move away, and we were talking about sports, as you do. Sure. Um, And we got to talking about, well, first, this conversation started because we were talking about John Morant and the dunk that he had over Kevin Love. Well, he missed, but... If he had made it, it would have just murdered Kevin Love straight up. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> um, yeah. And so we were talking about that. And then our conversation strayed to Zion Williamson and whether or not he's going to play this season because of his injury and like the recovery from that and whether or not his like his return from that injury is being mismanaged. Um, And if it is being mismanaged, if he's going to end up being forgotten about. Um, And so this all kind of centered around the fact that like, there is some talk that he's not going to return this season for the Pelicans. um, Partly because they suck and there might not be a point in risking like bringing him back for however many games are left in the season, only for him to either get hurt again um, or something along those lines. So why not take the time to like, condition him and like get him ready for you know long term um and the argument is always that with the style of game he plays and the size that he is he's going to have to drop you know a good amount of weight in order to like be able to play in the nba and have longevity to his career playing the way that he does um and that if he doesn't do that he's just going to be an injury prone player and like it's just gonna right right? it's just gonna like happen and so i was making the argument that um 
to me, it makes sense to not bring him back and to have that long-term investment in like getting him conditioned and ready to play at this level, particularly considering the fact that he's so young. Um, And my friend was making the like comment that like, if he like that, it, it doesn't make as much sense to not bring him back and that he should be brought back. Just accepting the fact that he's going to be an injury prone player and like, yes, like, he like that's just going to have to be something that he is aware of they have to like condition him properly for but that it doesn't make sense to not bring him back and if they don't bring him back that there's the chance that like he's essentially going to end up like a greg odin where he does get kind of forgotten about and like he isn't going to be as like spectacular in the nba as like we were promised interesting so the idea is if you don't bring him back he'll he'll lose a step or or (laughs) just the lack of playing will See, I, I don't really buy that because he's just so much more athletic than Greg Oden was. I mean, he's just such a phenomenal athlete. For me, the Pelicans are terrible this year. If if yeah. if it makes sense, yeah, don't don't keep him out just to keep him out. Yeah. If he's fully healthy, play him. But if it makes sense to keep him out, then do it because he's so athletic. I mean, we saw him, I feel like, in the preseason and in, in the summer league and everything. Like you saw what he's going to be. His game is going to translate 100% if he stays healthy. So I don't feel like there's a Greg Oden situation I just think he's had like three fluky knee injuries, yeah. but not that not fluky in the sense there may be a good reason that they're happening, but yeah, I I, I just don't see him as like a Greg Oden type quite yet. Yeah, he's too fast, he's too good. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you lose much by keeping him out personally. Fair. All right, well, my take. Yeah, lay it on us. <clears throat> uh, time for uh, and I couldn't figure out if it was actually Jacques Lacan uh, <laughs> okay. who who came up with the take. Although he, I think it, it comes from his film uh, criticism. Hmm. Um, are you going to try to research it now? I'm literally a professional researcher. Go ahead. Um, okay. Uh, so they already sold all those tickets in New Orleans, didn't they? Yep. Uh, all right. So this is, and, and not to preempt the, the James Wiseman discussion, uh, but these are, um, I, I think both situations are, are actually pretty linked mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> in that they can both be resolved by the um, by the sing- single owner uh, hypothesis, uh, single owner uh, economic theory, right? Where if you imagine that both sides, right, that the that the team ownership and Zion, uh, if they if they were the same thing, they were the mm-hmm. same owner, and the same person, right? Uh, they would make this decision differently than if Zion was an individual and the Pelicans mm. were uh, also also an, an organization, right? Uh, so you try to align their interests um, uh, entirely. Mm-hmm. If you're the Pelicans, you say, yes, we sold the tickets. Um, uh, Zion's really exciting, and he's going to come back mm-hmm. better and stronger next year, right? So that plays well for the fans. Um, if you're Zion, uh, as long as... It doesn't drive him completely crazy to not play, to not play which I think is a big question mark yeah. when, when it's a guy who's that competitive uh, and who really, I think, probably wants to prove himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, as long as he can kind of, and I, I just don't know how, how realistic that is, right? Agreed. Like, I'd like to think, great, he's going to eat sushi, you know, every day and slim down. I guess you don't do slim down when he eats sushi. I don't know. No, that's a fattening food. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that uh, whatever he, whatever one eats, then um, uh, I dropped point eight pounds this week. Uh, Ooh, congrats. congratulations! Thank sir. you. I think it was the soup. Um, <laughs> uh, as long as he can can kind of, you know, 
be stimulated yeah uh and also have the chance to to work on his uh uh his conditioning and his physique um uh but it's got to be hard to watch your teammates mm-hmm. go out and and uh, you know do it on a night to night basis and you're not out there mm-hmm. um so like yeah if he could go somewhere like southeast asia or something and, and just, just not train. pay attention um yeah and just train yeah exactly like have uh, rocky training montages uh <laughs> over and over again in uh, thailand with like a little motorcycle yeah going yeah by. yeah um uh, i think it would be fine right and that would be the ultimate single owner Choice. right uh uh idea um i don't think anyone's gonna forget about that guy right right yeah yeah, yeah i don't see him as odin and may we go into james wiseman yes all right so james wiseman who we've talked about on this podcast before um made news on friday um first a little backstory he's a memphis freshman um anthony hardaway had given his family eleven thousand dollars to move Back before Anthony Hardaway was the coach of Memphis, mm-hmm. back before James Wiseman lived in Memphis, James Wiseman moves to Memphis, plays for Penny Hardaway's uh, high school team, then gets recruited by Memphis, um, plays for them. The NCAA decides that this original $11,000 donation is no good because Penny Hardaway was a booster a decade ago to yep. Memphis. So even though there was no like long-term plan, they said he's ineligible. They go, they go you know, battle it out. It becomes a 12-game suspension. Um, that uh, would return him in mid-January. So this is one of the best players. that Right now he's projected, I think, is the number three draft yeah. pick, uh, James Wiseman. So instead of doing that, he says, fuck y'all, I'm out. Yep. So he played three games at Memphis. He was one of the top recruits in the country. He's gone. He said, I'm going to prepare for the NBA mm-hmm. draft. And so I wrote something that's going to be published this week that basically says this is showing us a window on onto the death of college basketball. Yep. It's not just the death of the one-and-done rule. Because, like, you look at James Wiseman, I think he made the right call, but look at Zion. I mean, here's somebody who was raising insane amounts of money for for Duke, Duke University, for the NCAA, for ESPN. Um, he gets hurt, and that may be affecting his entire NBA career, this original injury. Because uh, it's the same knee that he hurt, that he's out for right now, the one that he busted mm-hmm. against UNC. Uh, so you've got that. You've got Cole Anthony right now. Mm-hmm. Does it behoove him to come back after a meniscus surgery, right. which is not a minor, minor. thing? And who's doing these surgeries, which is one of my questions, right? Yeah, it's got to be UNC doctors, right. you think. Because That's if right. you're the player, why are you trusting that this organization is going to do right by you? Sure, right, yeah. I mean, yeah. again, yeah, there's that. And, like, if you're Cole I'm Anthony... extremely paranoid. Yeah, no, but... but I, I think it's fair. If this thing keeps going like that, it would be a legitimate question. So Cole Anthony could come back in, like, February or March. Why? Right. To help UNC, like, go to... Who cares? Why does he care? All he could do is injure himself again. Wait, get drafted high like you're going to anyway. Same with James Wiseman. Wiseman was absolutely right to do this. So you got a couple things happening here. Number one is that the one and done rule is probably going to be over by 2022. Mm -hmm. The NBA is working on this now with their with their players union. Um, and they're asking a lot of their players union because they want to institute this like mid-year tourney. They're switching up the playoffs. Yep. So this was already something that was going to get knocked down. Now it definitely is. By 2022, when you're 18 years old, you're going to be eligible for the NBA draft. Mm-hmm. Not going to be forced to go to college, to sit out, or to go play in Australia or something. Whoa, wait, wait, wait. The players union, they wouldn't like this. No, no, no. The players union would want the players to make as much money as possible, right. as young as possible. Why is that? Because that's like the one of the principles of labor. But they're also you're saying that you would they would, would be restrained there there's a restraint on the labor market right now until you turn 19 or whatever it is that's right um which presumably gives guys an extra year 
So like you, one, it's, one, it's saying you can't earn NBA money when yes, you're 18, right? Like the way LeBron did, for instance. <clears throat> exactly. So yeah. if you're an NBA player right now, and guys can come into the league who are good at age 18, um, doesn't that take some money away from you? Well, yeah, but it's they're also players coming up. I mean, they're representing players that come right. up too. It's not. This is something the NBA Players Union has wanted for a long time. Because but starting players have depressed wages anyway. They do, but I mean, if you start earlier, you're making. Oh, money I guess. Sooner. Well, then I guess the players' union would like that yeah. because then they would have a bunch of people at the low end. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but they're representing. They want the players to make as much money as possible as early as possible. I thought they want. They want uh, the leadership wants themselves, the veteran players, to make the most money. Uh, I, no, <laughs> I wouldn't say like it's a little yeah. dock workers union. It's like it's more just like we want wages to be higher, right? And, and we I, want freedom for these kids to make it. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, real, so, yeah, right. It's a. I think it's a guild. Okay. <laughs> well, but, I mean, I understand why NBA ownership wants this rule, right? They want a free year of scouting these kids uh, without having to take on. I'm saying the players' union doesn't want one and done. You understand that, right? Wait, why? He, uh, wait, wait, wait. Okay, so neither the owners... No, nor no, no. The owners, the owners in the NBA, they, in theory, they could want one and done, right? Because they have a free year of scouting, just Correct. like you mm-hmm. said, and stuff like that. So from their perspective, it's fine. I, I guess and the I'm, NCAA obviously wants it because, because you get the best players in the country the for a free year and they're unpaid labor. So okay. you make a shit ton of money. And I guess I'm just arguing whether... Why the, player, the why NBA the, players would want to do away with one and done. Correct. Because then you have this glut of talent coming in to their... In theory, market, it could harm the veterans. But right. in practice, that's not that's not how they approach it. I, I, yeah, yeah. And I think another kind of aspect Sorry. of this, like if you listen to some of the more like prominent NBA players speak about the one and done rule, a lot of it comes from this place of like fairness and how the NCAA uh-huh. is taking advantage, particularly of young African American men from yeah. like disadvantaged backgrounds and so there are also these kind of like social aspects to it as well not just pure economics for the veteran nba players so so let's 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 put a pin on that let's assume that i'm right in saying that this is something that they're fighting for sure i do know i'm right that in 2022 it's over one Mm -hmm. way or another now another thing that's happening along with the one and done going the way of the birds is um Going the way of the dodo is what I meant to say. <laughs> no, the way of the birds. I mean, birds honestly, are just there, falling there out of the was, sky. There yeah. was a science article that yeah, came that, out recently yeah. about the like death of like birds like, so there and you how go. ridiculous it is, courtesy of like global warming and things along those lines. So I'm on track. I'm on track. Yeah. The dodo is definitely extinct. Um, so along with this, what what's happening is that the NBA is also trying to unionize the G League mm-hmm. and trying to make it so it More becomes attractive. basically a, a really robust minor leagues. Yep. And so what you're going to have is you're going to have in two years, uh, first of all, anybody can turn pro that they want to. Their best players can go to lottery out of high school. And the second thing is even like second-rate talent, they can go right to the G League. They don't have to go to the NCAA. So the NCAA is not just going to be deprived of kids who think they're going to be a lottery or a first-round right. pick. It's going to be deprived of second round and then like even people who are potentially you know, not draftable or who wouldn't go that. Now – We've seen with Wiseman how, like, Jay Williams did a segment on, does this diminish the relevancy of the NCAA? He did it with Mike Greenberg. The answer is absolutely yes. And I think what we're going to see is that the NCAA had to provide incentives to keep people going to college. 
i.e. they had to pay people and the fact that they are like so short-sighted and going such for a short-term strategy of keeping their money of increasing their profits in the short term in three or four years there's not going to be any good players Mm -hmm. and so the question they're going to have to ask is how attractive is college basketball as a product when you're not getting zion williamson okay when you're not getting james wiseman when you're not getting all these guys it's going to suck right because the game is worse the players are already worse but at least you have blue chips every year Mm -hmm. that are exciting to watch without that i mean we're looking at i think college basketball becoming less and less popular and earning less and less revenue for the ncaa because they didn't have the foresight to pay the fucking players is that is that why people watch the ncaa is for the to watch the blue chip players yeah i think like last Next year generation last year stars. like if you look at the highest rated games everything was zion yeah i mean it really does revolve around these best players yeah you have i'm, I'm not saying you don't have your well, fan I, base no no what i'm saying is I, I get it maybe the ncaa really their strategy this whole time has to been has has been to you know keep the sanctity of amateurism so that you can keep the boosters happy Right, not the, not necessarily the television networks, uh, but you can keep that flow of alumni money coming in. They don't care what the product on the court is. See, as I, long I, as they disagree, I think they, I think they've had their cake and they've been eating it too. Right. I think they can they preserve amateurism because they like not paying players. Exactly, and their product is they get these guys for free, especially because of this one and done rule. So they're going to get like the Zion's and the Wiseman's for a year. Until someone like Wiseman is like, actually, fuck you. Yeah. All right. And so when f- you have that, right, when you have those players coming through, when you have teams that are like worth watching in that way, that's the thing that keeps your alumni donating money to your like sports network. It's not just a product of, oh, I went here. I want to support it. Like, sure, you'll have people who do that and who do support it. But if your team is not good, you are not getting as much in the way of donations. And so when you can attract the best players and really like that's how Pil- that's how pilgrims get built. That's not what I wanted to say. That's how, <laughs> that's how programs get built, right? Um, well, you can look at, just to really quick support you, Memphis. Right. What The minute they got Penny Hardaway, their revenue increased. Dramatically. Yeah, and their boosterism increased, period. And then bringing in Wiseman makes a big di- Under Pastner and whoever was between Pastner and Hardaway, yeah. they it just like tanked. Yeah. And it does. Yeah, I mean, the boosters give money when, when times are good. Counterpoint, Butler. What about him? So they went to the championship game what two years in a row right uh with a bunch of scrappy nobodies and gordon award um uh and brad stevens yep uh okay all right don't don't forget maybe maybe this is crucial maybe 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 my argument's breaking down a little bit uh but you know they um uh they they won the right way with senior guys uh scrappy guys who were taking on the big guys um uh, I don't know. So I feel like that's the exception, not the rule, right? It's- so if you look at your like top dog teams, all of your really established players, that's one where the majority of young talent go when they come into the league Two, a lot of your big talent that then move on to the NBA, that's where they're coming out of. And so smaller schools like a Butler, they're again, they're the exception, not the rule. And so... Yeah, I feel like it's a counterpoint, but it's not a counterpoint that like yeah, dislodges this whole argument. And it's also not relevant in terms of like revenue generating. Mm-hmm. I mean, that year, like, okay, so Butler played Duke and then played UConn. 
Um, Duke is Duke, and then UConn, I think, had Kemba that, yeah. that next year. And so, yeah, they those games were attractive. Shabazz Napier. Sh- Shabazz, okay, right, right, right. Kemba was later. So No, but, earlier. Earlier, sure. <laughs> I'm yeah, here. yeah, whatever. I'm still here. Uh, no, but Why do ga- we trust Shane's arguments? <laughs> no, no, no. He's but made those, so many factual errors. But those games are attractive because, uh, because of Duke and UConn being there. If it was Butler against VCU that one year, for example, VCU had made the semis, uh, that is a completely different story. Those teams do not generate that much revenue. Uh, it's the big teams with the big players that make right. money, and but that's what Butler the NCAA is established now. Butler, but, I think Butler. Is, well, who's their head coach? Some guy. So mm-hmm. that's my point Who exactly. Are their players. They're number seventeen. <laughs> but really, <laughs> that, that's the point. Isn't you it? like Butler? What's your What's their fa- your favorite album? <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, if they were established, you would know their you coach. Know. You know what I mean? Like you, a casual basketball fan would know like basic facts about them. And, but that's the thing. It's like they're not these. These are not the teams making money for right. the NCAA and for themselves, right. um, or generating huge TV rights. Yeah, and like when you look at you know March Madness as a tournament, right? A big component of that the specialness of that tournament is not just the big teams showing out with their big talent, but the potential for those little teams to right. knock them down. Right. And so if you don't have those big teams and you don't have those big programs, then you lose those moments and then you get less viewership. Yeah. Also, I just want to point out that that UConn Butler game was the worst basketball game (laughs) ever played in history. It was 53 to 41. I remember like, yeah, that was just the worst thing um, ever witnessed. All right. Um, Oh, by the way, Kemba Walker was on that team. So, Aaron. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Way. What year? Yeah. It was 2011. No, no, no. What year was he? (laughs) What year was what? What year was Kemba? Oh, I uh, let's see. At that point, uh, I have no idea. Okay, Sorry. fair. I thought it was this, wasn't it his senior year when maybe. he won, when he won the title after winning the Big East tournament. Maybe it was. Yeah. All right. I, I think, think I think Kemba Walker is like thirty five. I don't. Think that's <laughs> <correct>. <laughs> uh, I think he was a senior, and I think it was the year he won the Big East tournament out of nowhere. Um, Oh, I guess Shabazz Napier was like 2015. I was going to say, okay, <laughs> I am back in the catbird seat here. All right. Kemba Walker is 29 years old. <laughs> Great. 39. I got it. You really had me scrambling there because I was like, I could swear Kemba was on that team. I should have been more confident. Kemba Walker is older than I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Kemba Walker was and the best player in that Shabazz game. Shabazz is 28. Yeah. Oh, interesting. <laughs> the more you know. Um, All right. So anyway, that's my argument is that the NCAA is depriving itself of talent by the fact that they wouldn't pay the players earlier because they have no foresight, basically. Yeah. Um, Much agreed. Also had a weird discussion about whether or not the like college basketball teams have like insurance on their most valuable players. So like. Didn't, Zion. Didn't Zion? I, I believe Zion can take an insurance policy, and I believe he did. Yes. I believe he had okay. one last year that didn't necessarily need to be paid out or something. Yeah. But right. it was a thing where they did provide that for him in case of an injury. That means he can't play in the end. I'm not sure gotcha. Duke provided that for him. But I right? think he was allowed to do it. I think he was allowed to do it on his own. Gotcha. If I'm not mistaken, I do not know much about um, insurance markets. Yeah. Other than that, they're absolutely fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and everyone should insure everything all the time because it's gambling. All right. <laughs> <clears throat> this is from last year. Duke freshman star forward Zion Williamson has at least partial insurance coverage in the event he sustains a serious injury. Um, Williamson has an insurance policy. Uh, this was told anonymously. Um, and it looks like you're right, Aaron. It looks like he his insurance is He can buy zone. it for himself. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, and also, if he had been drafted past 16th in June's NBA draft, he could collect $8 million 
Oh wow. Yeah, so it's a loss of value insurance, um, and it just and there's like it throws in like a little disability insurance in there gotcha. too. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, all right, that would have so. been such a fun policy to write. <laughs> no, yeah. seriously, like we should have gam- gambling about all these things. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, if I don't get a raise at work this year, right, I should get. Um, uh, I should have a, a raise insurance policy. So you got get you can hedge yeah. against yourself. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's hedge. Let's securitize. Um, let's increase the amount of gambling on everyday Every things time. that people are doing, and it probably won't be a problem. All right. So we are past an hour, but I do. This is our last show before the holidays, yes. and so I do want to um, go around the room and give three wishes that we all have uh, for Duke basketball. Uh, three holiday wishes. That will come true over the next year. Um, let's see. Aaron, do you want to uh, start us off? Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, for Duke basketball, uh, I would say the first wish they should have is the wish to time travel. Okay. Back to last year's Michigan State uh, game. <laughs> and make like one or two more threes. Yeah. yeah. That's a great wish. Yeah, do, do all of them. Let's go right through. Well, I only wrote down two. Okay. okay what's the second? Uh, well, that they should have two consistent outside shooters this year. I think that's a okay. Um, that's a wish they should have. I couldn't think of a third one because I'm not really a wish maker. Not really a wish guy. Uh, you sure. know, I live in the now. Fair enough. Ariana. Yeah. Um. So, uh, first wish is that I wish for all of our coaches, staff, and players to like stay healthy through the duration of the season. Very nice. Oh, um, come on. And, no, nice. come I mean, on. Think about it. No, that's applause. Cassius, that's applause. Cassius got <laughs> minorly injured, yep. right? Trey got minorly injured. He also got rocked last year when we played Syracuse and was out for a good bit. Like, I didn't know I these would were like supposed to, to be see... earnest wishes. <laughs> I would like to see <laughs> how this Duke team comes together with everybody healthy and on the court and playing together. Um, yep, good one. Very good. Sincere. Love yes. it. That was also one of mine. Not really. Not really. Of course I wish everyone health and happiness. Well, you didn't say it. You didn't say it, and you had an extra wish. You had an extra wish. You didn't come up with that as an option. It was assumed, man. I also haven't heard you say you support our troops all podcast. It's kind of weird. Just something I noticed. Interesting. We'll take note of that. We'll take note that you have not supported our troops all podcast, Shane. Lord. Um, Aaron's also not wearing an American flag pin. I don't wow, know. Yeah. Wow. Shameful, really. Yeah. All right. What's number two? Wish number two is that um, even though this is... Uh, wish number two is that I wish we would... Take home the regular ACC season title. Yes, that's a good one. Like, Finally. I would love to dethrone Virginia from that. Would be nice. Yeah. Um, and then wish number three is that <clears throat> I keep hitting things on my microphone. That's not what I wish for. But wish number three is oh, you that You said the wish. I you wish. said the wish. <laughs> The good news is it's an easy one to right. yeah, yeah. just just you stop doing it. it. Fine. <laughs> um, I I wish that our bench support players like Alex O'Connell would actually no. I'm not going to waste a wish on Alex O'Connell. I good wish that Wendell Moore would 
turn into what we see in him and pull all those pieces together. Ariana, my wish number one, Wendell Moore to find his mojo. That's it. That's number one. Um, Good wishes, by the way. Um, Well done on coming up with three. (laughs) Right? I I technically (laughs) had four and then threw the third one away. Some would argue that two (laughs) wishes distributed over a group of three (laughs) potential wishes would actually be stronger wishes because there was room for three, but um, you only used two. So you have 66% higher on each yeah, wish? Co- yeah, correct. 33% higher. Math is hard. Uh, yeah. Actually, no. It would be uh, 50% higher. Uh, I didn't study math, so... <laughs> wish number two is for Coach K to figure out how to use Hurt effectively on offense mm-hmm. and Goldwire effectively mm-hmm. when Trey and Vernon are there. I like um, it. You have to wish for that? That's how little faith you have in our coach? No, I mean, look, we've been here for half a year. I still, yeah. I still don't see... Hurt being incorporated perfectly. And then Goldwire was just a late ad because I thought he was so good. And I came. Wish number three. It looks like there's a chance that Aaron and I will be attending the Brown game with you. Yeah. I'm Um, pretty sure I can make that happen. So I want Aaron in the Brown game (laughs) to get so excited (laughs) that he runs out onto the floor and tries to hug Trey Jones, (laughs) gets tackled by security guards, and pees himself on TV. And Dickie V is announcing, and he calls him the PTPer, but it stands for primetime pisser, and then calls him a diaper dandy because he needs an actual diaper. And Aaron becomes a meme, and our podcast blows up. Best wish. Best wish. Nailed it. You've been sitting on that the entire time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote that one. I've been sitting for an hour. <laughs> this is why you wanted us to do the holiday yeah, wishes, too. isn't it? Well, you no, wanted I, to say that. <laughs> I came up with it after I had the idea, but then Aaron at one point wrote this thing. Like, should we skip this? It's already been so long. I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, my friends, I believe we will be meeting again before the new year, but I just want to say it's been a pleasure so far in yes. our first year of the Cameron Lazies. Um, I wish you both a happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Ariana, happy, happy Kwanzaa. Thank you. Half, Much appreciated. Half, half, happy, Kwanzaa. half Kwanzaa. Half happy Kwanzaa. You didn't wish me a happy Hanukkah, Shane. Oh, happy Hanukkah to you, Aaron. Absolutely. And happy <sighs> first night of Hanukkah tonight. Yes. Um, no better way to light a metaphorical candle than spreading your wisdom. Mm. Um, I do want to apologize to Aaron for the abuse. You are a valued mm-hmm. member of this team, Aaron, and I, I like you. all your opinions, and you make me laugh. Ariana, ditto for you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you both. Um, any last words? Is this the time that, that we so do this? Is this what happens at Christmas? I don't know. This I guess so. I'm feeling just Oh, you're feeling the holiday it. spirit. Let have this I'm theory. sorry you've been infected with it. It's uh, it's not becoming. Uh, I love that in, ret- in return for Shane yeah. telling you that he loved you and he was apologizing like, for the abuse. This... You're like, you suck, Shane. Well, when I suggested three holiday wishes, I think he just wrote lame. Or cor- no, yeah. corny. Corny. Yeah. That is also true. Uh, that is also uh, true. I also tried to start a fake beef with your two-year-old daughter. Truth. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, I'm a I'm a bad man. Uh, uh, no, I um, Mr. Scrooge, right? Is that right. guy? Yep. Uh, so uh, one Christian parables, lumps of lumps of coal for everyone. I don't know whatever he did. Yeah, um, bah humbug. Yes, that thing. All right, good stuff. And uh, yeah, go Duke and good luck everybody making it through um, the the doldrums here. Yes. We've got Brown next, mm-hmm. but I think when we meet oh. again, we might be talking about. Yes, we're going to do a special episode yes. on Coach K's potential Successor. successors. Um, so that'll be a good one. So stay tuned for that. Uh, enjoy your holidays. Find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, all the different places you can do that. Rate us. Say you love us. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, goodbye, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy Merry everything.